0: Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast. PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Live on Twitch.tv/slash Pride of Detroit. A day late, dollar short. That's okay. We have paid you with a podcast on Tuesday for a podcast today, which is also being recorded on Tuesday. I completely screwed up my wimpy. That's fine. We are, I am of the last generation that will ever know who Wimpy is. I am Chris Perfett, <laughs> the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online. And Jeremy, we don't usually try to uh, flex that we're getting old. I it, try. It, I try not it, to, it, but but like realizing that I don't think anyone is going to get a Popeye's reference very you, uh,
1: very soon. Our age usually leaks out unintentionally in, in some way or another because we are old and it just not that it's old. painfully obvious at times. Not,
0: no, we're not that old. Hmm. Fair I enough. don't, I, don't I, I haven't, I, my body hasn't completely started breaking down yet. We're getting there though. But I don't think, I don't think, I think if I say Popeye to someone, they'll think I'm talking about the chicken. Uh, let's test that now with Ryan Matthews. Back is the at Ryan underscore P O D. Ryan, your judgment on this.
2: Popeye's has a great chicken sandwich. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Dude, don't, don't bury the lead. This is our fantasy football blowout. You son See, of a <laughs>
0: Jeremy. Jeremy has threatened to walk off the podcast. If we, if we said it this way, but it is summertime. And I feel like we haven't had our list cast, but I feel like this is the time of season where there are lists and we got to list cast. Those lists. We've been doing some of the top 10 last week. We're gonna have Madden ratings are slowly trickling out. We got a mailbag question about that. But right now we have here in our hands. Jeremy wanted to throw me some stats. And I don't think Jeremy realized that this is we're, we're looking at Mike Clay from ESPN. He has he put out his 2020 NFL projection guide. And what Jeremy didn't realize when he sent these and was like, we need to like go over, under too much, not enough on a lot of these. He didn't realize that this is a fantasy
1: draft kit. But it's too late to stop these train tracks now. I mean, sometimes statistics are just statistics. If you want to frame it as fantasy football, go ahead and do that. I'm not supporting that, but this is just this is just statistical projections. There are PPR points on these charts. He's just doing the math for you. That's fine. (laughs) I can I can ignore a
2: column of these. (laughs) Jeremy don't don't play fantasy football kids. Jeremy is famous for ignoring. numbers (laughs)
1: yeah ignore the does this have like the longest rush of each player because i want to ignore that
0: (laughs) unfortunately those are not in here but uh we we would talk about them if we do but i think we're going to frame this in several ways first off there's a few takeaways bird's eyes views we'll get to we're also going to look at some of these stats and say is it too much or is it not enough so some conversation some games we'll have some fun we've got a mailbag for you along the way let's dive right in though as we look at all of these numbers and there are a lot of them. So let's start on the offense. Cause that's where a lot of this comes in. Uh, overall, they're going to be ranked 23rd in the league. Uh, let's start with some of the quarterback uh, important to note, the offensive lines ranked fourth. That's probably the best rating Lions. we'll get to a unit in this guide. We'll talk about some more of them later, but let's talk about just kind of the touchdown numbers Looking at um, 25 passing receiving touchdowns projected on the year with 14 rushing touchdowns. So 39 total. I don't, that's not, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's on the lower end. But Jeremy, your reaction on this, or is anything here right away too much, not enough for you? Looking at just total touchdowns where we're sitting, we'll break those down in a little bit.
1: I mean, it's tough because, it's not really framed in points per game. So that's kind of a hard thing to really compare. Cause that's what we're kind of more accustomed to seeing. But if you, if you want like a little more basis, Jared Goff had 19 passing touchdowns last year. They have them at 25 this year. You throw in a couple or they have them 24 this year. Right. And then you throw in a couple from Boyle last year. It, it doesn't seem like that much of an improvement. Uh, I think lions fans, including myself are expecting a little bit more than that in terms of the passing game, just, Accomplishing more. They they have more red zone threats than a guy like DJ Chark and, and Jameson Williams when he's healthy. Um, you know, when if, if TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift can stay healthy for an entire season, that's two more other red zone threats that I think are, are are going to make this team a little bit more dangerous in the red zone. Because as Ben Johnson has said all offseason, like that's something that they really intend to improve on, is that red zone offense. So I think I expect the the touchdown numbers to be a little bit higher than than what Mike Clay hasn't projected to be.
2: Yeah, I I think I would agree with that just from the sense that there's a lot of, I don't know how much of that is optimism, Jeremy, and I don't know how much of that is, I I guess, like optimism, hopefulness, or, um, you know, just because I think we talked about this on the Q&A show, like there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of uh, optimism around a you know, a, a skill position, uh, a, a skill position core that has a lot to prove this season. Um, yeah. Even though a lot of people are expecting them to to produce a lot, I, uh, I I think that still remains to be seen.
0: We'll get into that skill position core real quick here in a second, but first let's break down some more of those numbers for Golf. Important to note, I did say there were twenty five passing touchdowns in here. One of those is is scummed to Tim Boyle, <laughs> who is projected in here. I'm assuming in some sort of garbage time. You got to project for that a little bit. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Jared Goff, though, projected 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on 356 completions. By comparison to last year, in 14 games, Jared Goff attempted 494 attempts. Uh, He had 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Now, again, that's in 14 games. He got hurt. And so, but 13 interceptions was what he had with the Rams last year. Do you, looking at these, this number, 11 interceptions for golf, is that too much? Not enough? Where do you stand on that, Jeremy?
1: I think that's a pretty fair number. Um, I'm, I'm one of the people that that remain kind of concerned about Jared Goff's turnover worthy plays. Um, he only had eight last year, but he only played 14 games. So, um, you, you bump that up to 16 games. They had a couple of interceptions that, that seems fair to me. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's probably the, the one thing that, that could cause those interceptions to go up is that we expect him to go deeper in in, in the in this season. They, we expect his ADAT to go up, his average distance of target to go up because he's got better deep targets. And so, dinking and dunking, um, which is what a, what a lot of Jared Goff did last year, you know, checking down. We, that's what he did for basically the first twelve games of the season. Um, that led to probably lower interceptions than, than what he would be accustomed to doing. So, yeah, I think bumping up to 11 interceptions seems a, like a fair number for golf.
2: Yeah, I I would expect it to be um, probably in the teens, right? I mean, his, his last season in Los Angeles, he, he has 13 turnovers. But surprisingly enough, that was his... Um, his second lowest uh, turnover worthy percentage in his career. Hmm. Um, you'd have to go all the way back to his uh, his first full season in Los Angeles to, to get to his lowest. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Interception numbers seem to be trending down for a lot of quarterbacks and especially for a guy like golf, there there's emphasis being put on him to not make uh, you know, those bad turnovers. And we talked about it a little bit too before um, the fumbling numbers too. Um, which is which is also something to, to take into account um, and is a little bit of a concern with with his game. So, uh, but I, I definitely think that the eleven seems fair and it, it probably will be higher than that.
0: Now, in uh, in PPR numbers because this is a fantasy preview show, uh, Jared Goff is ranked twenty fifth. So we're saying bottom. Where we got that bottom? I, I can't do conversions when it's thirty two. So we're talking <laughs> bottom, bottom, seven, bottom quarter
1: of the league. Yeah, that, I mean uh, overall, I, I, it, it's maybe a little bit of a dose of reality of of how low he has the. He, like you said, their, their offense is ranked twenty third in his projections. And you look at some of the some of the positional uh, rankings. You have the unit grades. Really, the only two that are above average, really on the entire team, is offensive line, which he gave a three point six out of four grade. Which, as you mentioned, was mm-hmm. what fourth on their list. Yes. You, and then they, they ranked
0: overall their offensive line as a unit fourth. And then yeah, tight end 2.9, which I'll get the, uh, that's a, yeah, it's above
1: that. average. It's probably closer to top 10 yeah. ish. Um, but yeah, like the wide receiver it's group, it's 10. Yeah, yeah, there you go. The wide receiver group is 1.8. So it's just below average running back is 1.9. I think Lions fans are really excited about Deandre. So if they're really excited about some of these skill position players, so, um, to see maybe, and, and listen, like we, this rolls into the men ratings too. Like the, a lot of people were surprised by how low some of the wide receivers were on there, but every every one of them has questions, right? And maybe this will kind of foray into in our questions or talk about some of these sp- skill position players. But like Amon Ra, great down the stretch. Can he continue that for a full season? Is he going to get as many targets now that they can spread the wealth more? DJ Chark has one really good season coming off an ankle injury. Jamison Williams, when is he going to play? Like, there's a lot of questions around all of these guys. So maybe we're pushing the wider receiving core a little bit. We're hyping it too much. It maybe yeah. It's not going to be a top 10 unit out of the gate. I, I feel like July is always the course correction on a lot of our Kool-Aid. Yeah. Like that a
0: lot of Lions fans gas themselves up, and then these start coming out to see the forest rather than the trees. And it comes as a bit of a uh, system shock, Ryan, to the system that, hey, these guys aren't as great as we were kind of – gassing out because there's 31 other teams in the league and some of them also get a lot better too.
2: Yeah. And I, I guess the one other thing I want to put into context for golf being ranked 25th, right. Is that Jared Goff isn't going to get a very uh, high ranking when it comes to, being a fantasy quarterback because he doesn't have the running element to his game. Like there, yes. there are other running backs that you're going to much rather have um, that'll maybe be like similar talent level to him, but they're going to be ranked higher than Goff just because of that. So I, I think again, like the, the whole discourse over the off season, and this <clears throat> goes back to Chris's, <clears throat> excuse me, his point that he just made about course corrections in July. But I think there's a lot of expectations that Goff is hopefully like a 14 to 16 quarterback um, when a lot of people really think he's, you know, one of those guys that's in the, the bottom fourth of the league. So it, yeah, I mean, again, with Jared Goff, every season has been if you put weapons around him, he's going to succeed and the Lions have done that. But those weapons, as Jeremy mentioned, have so many question marks.
0: Well, let's talk about some of those weapons as we get into them. Now let's start with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who, I guess when I looked at his last year's numbers, these stopped being eye-popping for me. So amon Ra was projecting right now from ESPN, 113 targets, 80 receptions, 873 yards, five touchdowns. That leads the entire receiving core in targets, in receptions, in yards, and I believe tied with TJ Hawkinson for touchdowns. Now, I was kind of shocked about this a little bit, but then, you know, you look at last year he had 119 targets and 90 receptions and 91, I mean 912 yards. So it's a little bit of a step down, Jeremy, but I think also at the same time, were you expecting him to re- are you still expecting him to kind of be the leader of the pack when it comes to just being the ball hawk, even though we've we know that the receiving
1: room is much deeper now. I mean, the plain and simple fact is Amon Ra is not and should not be the wide receiver one on this team. Um, and he won't be in the long term. That that guy that guy is going to be Jameson Williams. And at the start of the year, it's probably going to be DJ Chark. Um, so, no, it doesn't surprise me. I think if, if he finishes with those numbers, 870-whatever, 856 yards. No, sorry, 800. Oh, I lost my place here. Sorry. Uh, and 73 yards, five touchdowns. Lions fans should be absolutely thrilled with that. That's, that's a great productive year, especially if if the Lions spread the ball around more like we expect that to me is almost more impressive than what he did last year when he seemed like he was kind of the only option there late in the season. So I think that's, that's fair numbers. If I had to kind of do an over under, I might, I might go a little bit over. I I think, I think there's a a chance he touches a thousand yards. Um, But I I think that's actually, again, very fair numbers for Mike Clay.
2: Yeah, the the projections and and this is what is most fascinating to me as I look at these numbers are the target share. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah. last season Amon-Ra had 115 targets, so this is projecting him to get just a couple less, but again, like you just have to keep that final six game stretch over uh over last season in mind because up until week 13, Amon-Ra did not receive over eight targets in a game. And then those final six games, he didn't receive less than 10 targets a game. <laughs> so, I it's mean, insane. that I, that's going to balance out, right? right. And it, it it's almost more how many targets is Amon Ra going to get before Jameson Williams shows up, right? Like that that's going to be the big determiner because, you know, for however long it takes to get him, I think that he's going to be much more of a, you know, uh, a guy who gets a lot of targets, Jameson Williams. That is once he returns, you know, I guess if he returns um, for the season.
0: Well, I think, I think he, Mike Clay's having Jameson Williams projecting to play 12 games for 70 targets, 43 completions, 600 yards, four touchdowns, which actually puts him not far behind DJ shark on 16 games at 43 receptions, 640 yards, four
2: touchdowns. Can I, so, can I say something about the yeah. DJ Shark thing? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to get to DJ. So go ahead. Yeah. Do, do you think that those numbers would be really disappointing to Lions fans? Do you think that they have higher expectations for Shark? I mean, like less than 50 receptions. You know, I'm I, not saying that he's going to get a ton because he's supposed to be the guy who, you know, stretches the field on the outside. But like, I mean, if he gets less than, 50 receptions. And I mean, th- there's a lot of hype that like this guy could be, you know, a, a guy who's flirting with a thousand yards. I'd be I, disappointed. hundred
1: percent. Yeah. Like those are, those are not good enough numbers. And obviously like we have to see if he's going to play full season, but this is a projection over 15 games played. He's projecting him to play 15 games and only get 640 yards. Uh, if, if I'm doing my math correctly, that is 42 yards per game, 43 yards per game that's not good enough. No, like for a guy that, and I know you're only paying him 10 million for, for a year. um. So there's, there's kind of a, a built-in, like we're not sure if he's actually capable of being a number one or a, a good number two, but no, I mean like this offense is supposed to open up and he's supposed to be a big part of it. He's, he's a speedy guy. Like he, I know Jamison Williams is, is kind of fascinating everyone, but let's not forget DJ Chark is like four, three speed, like very talented guy very athletically tan- talented and, and capable of a thousand yard season. I don't think he's going to have a thousand yard season this year, but I certainly hope he has more than 640 yards. So I, I think of all the projections so far, this one is the one that I disagree with the most. I think Shark Char- has at least 800 yards a season.
0: Yeah. I'm not expecting a thousand yards out of him. I am expecting a little bit more. I I kind of get where it's coming from though, in the sense that like, it's hard to suss out where Shark is going to be. If you're projecting this team, because you're expecting James Smiley to come in take over the number one duties, even as a rookie when he's healthy, but he's not going to start the season healthy. And this is a team that up until recently ha- is going to be relying on, and we'll talk about TJ Hawkinson in a second, but he's projecting between St. Brown as a slot receiver and TJ Hawkinson as the tight end there. He's projecting 114, uh, 100, 148 receptions between the two of them which dwarfs Shark and Williams combined. They combined for only 86 receptions between them. So it's, he's clear, it's clearly saying that like we're, they're going to go to you know, short passing, to slot, right. to tight end, but that's going to be the dominant form of the offense. And I think, I, I think Jeremy, like we're, we're kind of expecting as fans, and as observers and analysts, that the Lions are going to go towards more of a vertical passing game
1: that exactly right and i wonder if that's maybe a flaw in in Mike Clay's kind of projection models maybe he's going based off of last year's numbers like the lines did not throw it downfield very much but they certainly did at least a little bit more uh noticeably more in the, in the second half of that season and we we all know why like Ben Johnson took over they they got Josh Reynolds all those things remain and so i think it's wise to maybe expect like they're not just going to be suddenly the, the Los Angeles Rams and, or, you know, the Kansas city chiefs and just be airing it out downfield and, you know, have the top five receptions of 20 plus yards downfield or anything like that, but they're going to do it a lot more. They're not going to rank in the bottom five in yards per attempt. I would hope this year. And so yeah. that's why I think there's a flaw in the, in the method. And, and I think you pointed out beautifully, you know, where, where we're seeing that. Well, flip side could be, and
0: I, I, I'm going to play devil's advocates myself a little bit here is that, Maybe it's not just going off past years as well. Maybe though, like again, he, he's this model does not value Jared Goff very highly, yeah. and yeah. probably the expectation is Jared Goff, even though they want him to throw downfield, he's just going to just be dumping off the ball a lot to Hawkinson
1: and Saint Brown. That that has been his career trajectory outside of the last you know
2: four games of his season last year. So that's fair. Yeah. I, I just have one more note on, on I guess a question that I want to ask you guys about Jameson Williams um, before, cause I think that there's a ton to talk about running backs and maybe we can get, we'll into that get into that next segment, segment too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but the question I have about Jameson Williams real quick, because this is the one other thing that stood out to me other than the, you know, seemingly uh, you know, sparing numbers for, for DJ shark, but Jameson Williams, 12 games played. Do you think that Jameson Williams is going to be playing in October?
1: Yes, I believe my, so. Yes, my my, I mean, I I, I put it up on one of our question of the days. I I think right after that bye week is kind of the perfect spot for him. They they start him on the pup in the regular season, which means he has to miss the first four games. There's one more game after that before the the bye week. You, you sit him that for that Patriots game while you kind of get him ready. You take an off season uh, an off week your bye week to, to get him a little bit more ready. And then you de- debut him in week seven. And what is that? 12 more games. So, yeah, I, I have it exactly at, at 12 games. Maybe, you know, maybe it takes an extra week because remember when he's on, if he's on pup, he's not able to practice. So he's going to take some time to, to develop some chemistry with Jared Goff. Cool. I'm, I'm actually like that projection. I'd be okay with that. It, it, I think Lions fans would, would want more than 602 yards and four touchdowns in Jameson Williams first career season, but that's not bad.
2: Uh, I, no, I, I, steps, I d- yeah, yeah I, I don't disagree with it either. But I, I, think that's why I had such a like a double take when you know Jameson Williams is you know playing twelve games and pretty much doing the same thing that Shark is pr- you know predicted to do in fifteen games. So the the one thing that I find
1: interesting when comparing him to Shark is that they have they have him catching the same amount of passes, but Shark has more yards per catch. That I would flip. I think Jmo is going to catch more yard, get more yards per catch. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about
0: running backs. We'll talk about defense. Uh, We got to hit on TJ Hawkinson as well. We got a lot to do. We'll also talk about the win probabilities. Mike Clay has uh, the projected wins for Detroit and a question about one game late in the season, I feel like is a conversation that we can maybe hit on because that was in the news the past week. So we'll touch on all of that next on the Pride of Detroit PODcast to Jeremy Chagrin. Fantasy Football Preview Kit, Draft Kit Edition.
3: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
0: Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, the sophomore kings of the Detroit Lions here to continue to bring Don't Laugh, Don't Laugh. We're just going to let that ride as one of our other myriad titles, Jeremy. We've added another title to the list. Pray. I don't add more. Uh, We were doing our fantasy football preview. Don't yes. Yes. Jeremy, we're statistical
1: projection over unders for the purpose of fantasy football. No, 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 absolutely (laughs) not. I'd rather this be a betting thing like the over under lines. (laughs) I wouldn't. I think, I think betting is
0: I, I, with all respect to Ryan, I've hit the point with some guys who I've worked with is like, I don't want to hear about your bets. I don't want to hear about your parlays. If you, if you're like on TV or on the radio, I don't care what bets you have on certain games.
2: Yeah. I'm getting to that point too, because it's like, it's like fantasy football talk. Like I don't want to hear about your fantasy football team. Yeah.
0: No, but it's, it's, you're admitting that
1: betting is as annoying as fantasy football was 15 years ago. And now we're, we, it only exponentially gets more annoying. No, but yeah. I'm saying it, it, it's, it's the
0: ownership thing. It's, it's the self-absorption of my fantasy team, my parlays. It's, yes. it's the, like, the actual content itself is not bad. It's when you make yes. it about your bets, your team. That's when it's annoying.
2: So we're here in segment two to talk more <laughs> yes, about that.
0: Yes, let's get, on. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Uh, projected right now by Mike Clay of ESPN. We're looking at 10 scrimmage touchdowns, three rushing, I mean, excuse me, seven rushing, three receiving. 100 I'm at 1,358 all-purpose yards, split 856 rushing, 502 receiving, 201 rushing attempts, which by the way, we don't have Jamal Williams on this list, but Jamal Williams, he gave 143 rushing attempts. So I think I think that's an interesting point to split. Uh, how those carries will be split? That's a lot closer of a split than I was expecting, Jeremy. But where where do you start on these before we get two more
1: in depth on Swift's numbers that are produced? Well, yeah, let's let's start with the split because I think that's interesting. Um, last year, split for his yardage or split between him and Jamal? Between him him and Jamal because okay. last year I don't I mean I, I don't know if you guys remember if we've been too far removed from the season, but Jamal Williams was the starter for the majority of the games. He started 11 games to DeAndre Swift's four, and he actually finished with more rushing attempts, 153 to 151. Um, and, and, you know, some of that is, is they, were, they were taking care of Swift, right? Really from, from training camp. They were limiting in snaps. They were doing that. They were making sure he, they, were, they were trying to get him to play a full 16 games and couldn't, couldn't quite do it, full 17 games, whatever. Um, I wonder if the Lions are going to unleash him a little bit more this year. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced they do. Because I, I do think he's going to get more touches overall because of all the receiving, the way they use him as a receiver. I'm not entirely sure it's going to be that big of a difference in in the attempts where where DeAndre Swift is almost getting sixty more carries than Jamal Williams. I think they like Jamal Williams a lot, and I think I I, I just don't know if they're they're going to fully unleash DeAndre Swift like some some fantasy football people are
2: begging them to do. Well, that's what I want to know, Jeremy. Like when you say that the Lions are going to unleash DeAndre Swift. Do you mean from a rushing standpoint or as a pass catcher? Because when I look at the pass catcher numbers, I don't think that I can project DeAndre Swift to have more catches than he did a year ago.
0: Hmm. By the way, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like the targets, I, I should break down the targets for receiving and receptions. 84 targets, 66 receiving projected puts him above both Shark and Williams, which again, he's a dump off target in this, in this and short yardage slash dump off target in this capacity. I just find it funny that it, you know, we were talking about vertical game versus what this is, but I'm sorry. I I hope that helps what you were going to continue with there. Yeah. I,
2: yeah. Sorry. Cause the other, no, I mean, that, that's a good segue into saying that this projects him to receive eight more targets than he did a year ago. And I agree with Jeremy. Like they, they kind of created like a smaller workload for him at the beginning of the season. And he did have the injury and whatnot. But there are also some games where he got serious tread. Like, remember in the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh game? Like, he was just run absolute ragged in that game. Um, I mean, especially because they were dealing with – those. That, that was a Tim Boyle game, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. You know, I try to forget that game as much as I can. I mean, who doesn't want to – Yeah, who doesn't ever want to forget the Tim Boyle versus Mason Rudolph uh, tie? I mean, goodness yeah, gracious. 33 carries in that game. game yeah for Swift, but he never had more than 14 the rest of the way i mean they they got a lot of run out of that guy that game so that that's yeah but i, I guess that's where kind of the projections are with me in terms of targets and carries um carries too i i, I just I, going back to that split i i want to say that jamal williams is going to get more carries than that yeah it's it, and it's going to fr- well, it's going to frustrate fans because I think there, there is kind of this
1: loftier expectation for Swift this year, and maybe rightfully so, maybe not. Um, certain I, I do think some of this is fantasy driven, I really do, because people continue you think of DeAndre Swift as a top 10 fantasy what, or running back, and I think a lot of that is because he, he catches so many passes. Well, um, I think if, specifically in the case of fantasy, probably
0: for PBR purposes, because he is right, yeah, yes, yeah, for, for exactly right. what you just said there.
1: Yeah. I, I guess the, the question though is, is does that carry over to running back touches? And I just, I need to be convinced of that before I'm giving him 200 rushes a season. Cause if the way I'm looking at his stats now, like 1300, you know, 1350 all purpose yards and 10 touchdowns. That is, I'm not going to say way over my expectations, but it's over my expectations.
2: Yeah. Cause like we said, I mean this, I know it's fantasy, but like this puts him in like the top 10 of running backs. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, none of us had DeAndre Swift on our top 10 running backs in the yeah, again, I, like, I,
0: I, I think a lot of that is from PPR again, 66 receptions projected puts him a ninth among running backs for, for PPR ranks from,
1: from Mike Clay. Do, do you think 1500 yards is, cap- is, is possible for Swift? Like I, I know, I know we just said, 1350 is, is probably over our projection, but do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible Swift has this breakout season that I think a lot of people are hoping for and gets to that, like, 1500 number?
0: No, I think if we're going on the concept of too much or not enough, I would think this number is too much. I would probably go under. I think the Lions are going to have the same situation they had last year. There's going to be a lot of games where the, because the defense are just going to be behind, and they're going to have to throw the football more, and Swift is just going to lose well, they numbers be- against that.
1: They should be in more games than they were last year, right? I, I would
0: hope
2: so, but I don't I, I don't think it's enough to really push the needle on, on Swift. Okay. Two reasons why he won't get to 1500 real quick. One, I don't know if I can trust him to play a full slate of games. Sure. And two, there are just way more mouths to feed on offense. Fair.
0: Speaking of one of those mouths to feed on offense and someone else who's expecting to hopefully have a big breakout year, TJ Hawkinson uh, projected 100 targets, 68 receptions, just north of 700 yards, five touchdowns, ranking him seventh among tight ends in projections. And this is the big one, Jeremy. This is the big one. This is the big wild card we keep talking about with uh, TJ Hawkinson. Um, I know we had just talked about that. His yeah, I what was the article you had had up the other day about like his yak? Was,
1: yeah. So there, there's a stack called Yak Plus. I think it was by Football Outsiders. Um, if it wasn't, I'm sorry for attributing the wrong people. But it was basically like based on people who receive catches at, at his point on the field on, on that yard down in distance, he was one of the worst at producing Yak compared to uh, expectation. Yak under expectation, I guess, would be the best way to say it.
0: So Nerd.
1: Like, <laughs> this whole thing is nerd. So this
0: this is like we, we, you and I, Jeremy go back and forth on TJ all the time. Yeah. And it's clear that once again, I, I talked a little bit when we talked about Amara, say Brown about what I think this, this system expects from him, but where, where do we stand
1: with Hawkinson? I, it's these tough. Numbers. It's tough because like the narrative going into last season was Hawkinson's a pretty darn good tight end, but can he reach that next level of being unguardable? of being a guy who can carry the entire offense, who can doesn't matter what his supporting cast is. Doesn't matter what the defense throws at him. He can, he can exploit it and beat it. And I think we found out last year, he's not that guy. He's not. And that's fine. He doesn't have to be an elite top three guy, that unicorn of a talent. The Lions were hoping he was, that's why you draft him in the top 10, but he was, but he probably is. Now the question is, can, how much will he rebound now that he does have a supporting cast, how much can he utilize the fact that other players are going to be drawing attention away from him and, and capitalize on that opportunity. And so these projections, they're, they're very close to what he was in, in 2020. His, I'm sorry. Yeah. 2020 is his pro bowl year. And he did have some weapons around him that, that drew attention away from him. They had, you know, Kenny Galladay, they, they had Marvin Jones, they had a good quarterback. So yeah, I, I think this is, a fair number from him. I, I might even push a little bit more because I do think that they have deep options. The, the middle of the field is going to be open. The addition of DJ Chark and the addition of Jameson Williams will I think benefit him and Deandre Swift more than anyone else on the team. So I, I would push a little bit higher than him than, than the 700 yards and, and five touchdowns, but I don't like, he's not going to suddenly be like an a thousand yard guy. He's, he's suddenly not going to be in the conversation with with Kelsey and things like that. He's just going to be like, a six
2: to 10 rate ranked tight end. And, and that should be fine with most people. And I think you're totally spot on in everything you just said about TJ Hawkinson. So I don't have anything else to add to it other than James Mitchell. If he plays 15 games, he's going to get way more than three targets. Like I don't think (laughs) that that's bold for me to say like, uh, like these projections, obviously they're taking, you know, here's the crazy thing. They have 111 targets dedicated to tight ends Hawkinson's getting a hundred of them (laughs) and two other tight ends are getting 11. Like, I don't think that'll be the district. I I don't think that'll be the district. Like the James Mitchell, it would surprise me if James Mitchell gets, this might sound crazy, but like that, he gets like less than 15 targets. I'd be surprised by that.
0: I'm with you on that. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Um,
2: if he's ready to go by the beginning of the season. So, right.
0: Let's move over to the defense. We'll slam through these a little bit. Bird's eye right now. Um, Mike Clay has them as the 32nd defense ranked in the league. Dead last, 26th in safety, 30th in cornerback, 32 32nd in, in off-ball linebacker, 21st in edge, 29th in interior defensive
1: lineman. So that's bottom four in four out of the six positions. Yeah. Edge at 21 and safety at 26th of the other two. No one even average or really even that close to average be ready that's all that's all i'll say be
0: ready any quibbles i don't know if it's like dead last but i haven't done my homework on other defenses out there to really quibble with this too much but again this is probably where the cold water gets thrown on us as we've just been sitting here drinking spiked kool-aid all summer I was like, it, we, we've known the linebackers are going to be bad. Yeah. Jeremy. Yes. We keep 30 second that, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. And we've talked, I think a little bit about, Hey, this interior of the defensive line needs more yeah. work, but I think we convinced ourselves. Yeah. The edge is going to pick up a little bit. Corners will pick up a little bit. And I think the numbers kind of suss
1: that out, but that doesn't think, make it work overall. Yeah. I think there's two that I would probably put a little bit higher and one is edge. Their highest rank 21st seems a little bit low considering they just drafted the second overall pick E. Uh, Hutchinson and, and we'll get into his projections here, mm-hmm. maybe in, in a second here, but yeah, they also have a 10 a sack guy in, in Romeo aquaro although We don't know how many games he's going to play this year. It might, doesn't seem like it's going to be 17, but I, I'm also a firm believer that, that char- Charles Harris is going to have an even better season than he did last year. And maybe, maybe I'm a fool for, for banking on, on a one-year quote, quote unquote one-year wonder to, to jump in production this year, but he's got so much more support this year. He's got so much more talent around him that he's not going to have to take on double teams like he did last year. And I, I, I think he's going to even grow. So I, I think the lines are going to have two guys pushing 10 sack seasons. Neither might get there, but if they have two guys pushing 10 sack seasons, then I'm not even talking about Romeo Quara. I think they deserve to be better than 21st. I
2: think that so too. And the, the the thing that I'm going to be most interested to see over the course of the season is that number that we referenced uh, at, at some point in the, in the off season here about Charles Harris and his double team rate. Right. Yeah. And like you mentioning, you know, banking on that guy who had a flashy one season audition to earn a bigger contract might seem like it's risky to do that, but sure. it's not like he's signed to a long-term deal. Like the guy is still interested. Like if he has another really good season, I could see like Charles Harris just being like, all right, so let's go back to the negotiating table Run it back. because Run it back. <laughs> You know, if, if if I have a splashy season, like I, I need more money because edge rushers are a premium. And that's the one thing that's exciting though, because I do agree with you, Jeremy, like, like you said, I think that they're better than 21st and if they're better than 21st, then I mean, that's a pretty, that that's going to take, that's going to improve the defense better than 32nd.
1: Yeah. That, it's, that's it's all, an that, impactful that's position. The, the other one I have a quibble with, and I, here's the thing, I, I can't defend myself here, is, is corner. Like, I, I think corner at 30th is just a little too low. And this, this isn't the part where I, I, I blow my, my train whistle and say, here comes the conductor of the Jeff Okuda hype train. But, I mean, Amani Oruwari is coming off of his best career season. Uh, the lines have proven now that they, they have some depth guys that, that can at least play ball um, in Mike Hughes and, and Jerry Jacobs and A.J. Parker. Um, and, and if Fatou Malafon was ent- entering like it's to me, it's more so than anything. It's the Aaron Glenn effect. It's all these young players being under Aaron Glenn for one more year. And the lions got better play out of their corners than I think they expected to last year after everyone was injured, like, I'm obviously going into the year. I think our expectations were higher, but after all the injuries happened, I don't think anyone expected the corners to play better than they did. Or, play better than they did and they played actually pretty darn good towards the end of the season like once they got all those mental errors out of the way which came with being a young player learning a new system they played a lot better and they're going to hit the ground running in those in those areas next year and so listen i'm I'm not expecting this to even be an average unit next year but 30th seems a little harsh 20th
0: it's it's harsh it's hard too because the numbers for interceptions is it does no service to anyone right now they're hard to pro- <laughs> they're hard to project right like Amani yes. Oruwari had six last year right now projected uh excuse me at 1.7 jeff okuda oh. 1.1 interception aj parker 1.5 a total of 5.3 among all cornerbacks but and, again yeah. and, and
1: orari outdid that by himself last year
0: yes yeah so like it's hard to project they're expecting decline i don't even know how that projects but I wanted to talk a little bit about Aiden Hutchinson, because I don't think we've really gotten into Aiden Hutchinson at all this off season. We've, I, I feel like we've spent a lot of times on Charles Harris. We spent some time on the Oquara brothers. We spent a lot of time on Okuda, the linebackers, but I don't think we've really talked about Aiden Hutchinson projected at seven tap at seven sacks. That's not going to lead the, uh, the edge rushers in sacks that goes to Romeo Aquara at 7.5, but Hutchinson is a rookie seven sacks, Forty tackles, playing six hundred and twelve snaps. Romeo Quara, again, eight hundred sixty nine uh, snaps to lead. So I don't know. We haven't talked a lot about Hutchinson, and I think I, I'm 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 curious what you think, Jeremy and Ryan, because seven sacks. God, I'm really messed up right now. I don't. Sack snaps. I, they're, they're hard. Sack snaps. Sack snaps. Uh, seven sacks as a rookie is. Uh, I'd be fine with that. Would you be fine with that? Cause like, I, I guess I'm getting used to thinking about this pass rush and I'm still trying to get around to thinking about this pass
1: rush. As, as our chat said, Ryan is the sack master. So I'm going to let him take this one first.
2: <laughs> I, I would be fine with seven sacks. You know why? Because it's not the number that I'm paying attention to. Like the, the number that I'm paying attention to is pressures right? Like pressures are, are, are King in the NFL. Like sacks are great. They're awesome. You know, TJ Watt set a record for sacks and everybody thinks he's one of the best pass rushers, but I mean, there's other really good ones too. Yeah. And and,
0: and again, like these are fantasy stats. so We don't have stuff like pressures or, or like even pass breakups to talk about with the corners either. So,
2: right. Right. And so I, I guess that just leads into the, the last point we made though, that like I'm more concerned about the pressures because how do you force turnovers? Well, you, you force people to, to hurry and, and, and to make mistakes with the ball. And, and that's how you get a, a good defense is you win the turnover differential. So like seven sacks with Hutchinson, that's, that's great. But like, I don't know, like I, I'm more concerned about the tackles for loss. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more interested in how many pressures he generates. Stat snob. That's what you are. You're a stat snob. Well, nerd. I, call, I called you a nerd earlier, so I, I, <laughs> felt, I felt like I had to show you that, like I am too. You but, can hang. Yeah, I can. I can hang out with you. Well,
1: yeah. I don't like these projections look weird to me because first of all, I don't think Romeo Acuira is going to lead the edge defenders and I don't
2: either. No, and uh, I, 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 I don't think
1: he'll get more sacks than Naden Hutchinson. I, I think he's also a prime candidate to start on pop. Like we don't, we we haven't seen that man run. Acuira, you mean? Yeah, we. I, yeah. In, in in mini camp and OTAs, that dude wasn't even running. He was walking on the sidelines. Um, so I, I think that projection is a little high for him. Seven and a half sacks, eight hundred and sixty-nine snaps. I think all that's a little too high for him. So I think some of that trickles down to Charles Harris, some of that trickles down to Aiden Hutchinson. And again, like Ryan said, it sack numbers are kind of hard to predict and, and maybe not all that not not all that important. But I think I think Char- like I said, I think Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson get close. They they threaten to get double digits this year. So I'm taking the over on both of those guys.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think if you get to double digits, you should be fantastic Uh, on on one or the other, like you, you feel fantastic because that puts you in like upper territory for sure. Like, I don't, I don't know what I, I mean, taking him second overall, you're kind of hoping Aiden Hutchinson can show you to be a defensive rookie of the year candidate, but we also understand, again, he's not going to get a ton of help from the interior of this line right now either. And he's going to need help from either Harris or, or Okwara to, you know, create that pressure from the other side, maybe draw some double teams and allow Aiden Hutchinson to get in the back, in the backfield and create the havoc.
1: When, when the lions have everyone healthy and, and, and playing to their potential, if you have Aiden Hutchinson, if you have Romeo Quar, if you have Charles Harris, if you have Alim McNeil or or Josh Pascal or Levi taking a big step, someone is going to be free. Someone is going to be on a one and one and, and, a lot of those guys are capable of winning their one-on-ones. And so there, there should be some sacks to go around this year. We got a little bit of time here. So I want to get to
0: the win totals, uh, the win probabilities. I don't think there's anyone else from the defense to really talk about Alex Anzalone projected 105 tackles. Um, One word. Is that too high or not enough? I I
1: hope, I hope that's too high because I I hope he's not playing as much. Okay, man. Fair enough. Yeah. That's kind of where I was going
0: with that Um, Let's talk. So Mike Clay projecting the Lions to have 6.1 wins, projected wins. However, only favored right now in win probability in uh, win probability in three games, Seattle and both matchups with Chicago, uh, 56, 51 percent and 61 percent going down, going down the list there. So I'm assuming, you know, those other wins are probably going to come from when they're close enough, close to 50% like it is, but still under it's kind of scuffs you towards some of those wins that you're kind of expected to pick up. There's a lot of games in the NFL where you might not be favored, but you might pick up those wins still 6.1 wins. And there, there is one game I want to talk about here real quick. We're kind of running out of time, but just real quick, where are we at? with the win totals where the win probabilities
1: are out of the gate for some of these teams or anything that jumps off the page to you, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, the, the Vegas line is what six and a half. So this feels if, if, if you just go off that, the then, then it's a, a little bit uh, an underestimate and I, you know, I, I have them winning seven to eight games. So I would, I would take the over there. The, the numbers that see that kind of jump out to me that, that are a little funky are the probabilities in the Minnesota games. Because their the win probability on the road is 26%. I think that says, and at home, it's 36%. A lot of people are v- valuing the Vikings this year. They are. They are. And I think that's interesting. I, I do think it's a talented team. We all know that I'm apparently a, a closet Vikings fan, but those percentages people just, seem particularly low. For me. I, I just think people expect the new coaching staff to just unleash the talent that they believe is there. And I don't know it, if it, I agree it, with that. It, it, takes a, it takes some time usually. first year head coach. coach you get man. a first-time head coach that yeah. just blows the doors off that defense has a lot of work to do.
2: Yeah. I, you know, if, if the lions have this win probability and that Minnesota game is included in there, but I said this back at schedule release, like the lion season is going to be determined by how they, they play in December because I mean, after, after Thanksgiving, they have Jacksonville at home. They have Minnesota at home. They have the jets on the road and then they have Carolina on the road. And I think that those games are such big determiners for how the lion season goes. And it's super surprising to me that they are not favored in any of those games.
0: Can I ask yeah. you, I, I want to ask you guys about this because obviously the big news, Carolina picking up Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. I know they're talking about competition, everything. Baker's got that starting job. Don't let anyone fool you about that. Sam Darnold ain't taking that shit from him. Uh, does Baker Mayfield's, I mean, I maybe he makes you more worried than Sam Darnold on paper, but I guess the question is going to be, at least from the national side of things, it's a question of whether or not Baker's going to need time to get comfortable with the system. So are you more confident with the Lions facing the Panthers late in the year? Is that either, are you more comfortable with it because you think the Lions will have more tape on Baker with the Panthers, or are you less confident because Baker could be more comfortable with the offense? Or are you just more confident because you think Baker's going to flame out?
1: <laughs> I Well, I, I think it benefits Baker. Like you'll see, a, you should see a better Baker Mayfield in week 16 or whatever it was than, than in week one in a new offense. But you're also probably going to see a Carolina team. That's not competing for much. If I'm being completely honest, I don't, I don't expect them to be competitors this year. They, they have an okay division. Not, not a great one. So Matt I, I think it be kind of, Matt role could be fired by week 16. Sure. Yeah. Now. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's certainly possible. And so I guess, I guess I'm not, it's a slight uptick for Carolina getting Baker Mayfield, but I don't think the game is, is scary by any means now that they have Baker.
2: Yeah. Real quick. The only thing I have to add is, I mean, if Baker is healthy by week 16, that's, that's a good point. That guy goes through so many injuries. And then also, I mean, is Christian McCaffrey going to be healthy by that point too? Like, that's the wild card. Yeah. might be your starting quarterback and your starting running back that you might be down. Um, but conversely, I think the one less interesting thing I, I note about the schedule is what you said about Baker Mayfield and having, you know, more time to get acclimated to the offense. That's why I might be underestimating Jacksonville. Like, I, they're
1: yeah, you, I don't know. So the Trevor, Trevor Lawrence there is forty-eight percent for the Lions, which I think a lot of Lions fans would take umbrage with since it's a home game. But I don't know. But, Tr- Trevor Lawrence could make a huge year-two jump.
2: Yeah, and I mean you're facing him when he already has over half the games under his belt, you know, with, with Doug Peterson there now. So I, that, that might be a game that might be a loss that that's going to be the crux of the season, like Buffalo at Did home. Yeah. Jacksonville at home. Like if, if they lose both those games, it's kind of tough.
0: It, it'll be tough on the psyche. I think for some fans, yeah. especially when it comes to the attitudes towards the coaching staff at that point, like I could see you, you, you brush off Buffalo, Losing to Jacksonville, though, that's, that's just a tough one to swallow.
2: For sure. Especially because it's, it's a stretch where they only have – it's the only time during their season they have three home games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but Green Bay at 12%. That, that's the funniest thing. The lowest win probability of the season is at Green Bay. Yeah,
0: Green a game Bay. where their starters might not play. I'm assuming it's being done with, with their starters playing, but you never know. Sure, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We have a mailbag to get to. And uh it's very full, so we're going to turn it over to Ryan to try to um alleviate the pressure in the bag. Probably throw something in (laughs) there. Ryan turned off his camera. Ryan for those for those on the podcast, not a visual medium, Ryan turned off his camera. We'll be right back on the Private Detroit PD cast. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD as always to get your questions in before we do. And I'm sorry to Jeremy, because I just realized we had to do this. Uh, do you want to pull up the reviews? Do you remember? Yeah, where I we can were do that last time.
1: I do actually remember where we were last okay. time. I just have to stall and I have, I have up out until... You can let
0: me know where I'm starting.
1: It's the DJ Charkish one. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, we already did
0: Bayside Lions fan.
1: Yes, we did. Yeah, That's yeah, okay. the last one. So I'll
0: do DJ Shark do 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 <laughs> for uh he writes in five stars, six hundredth review. Love the pod. Great work, guys. I listen to every show religiously. I live in Minnesota, so I have absolutely no friends to talk lions with. We simply sit around and discuss which fan base has it more difficult: losing four Super Bowls and having no rings versus never even getting close. So it's great to be able to get my fix of lions talk out here. Well, <laughs>
1: I think a lot of us have that, like, no, we've suffered more. No, we've suffered more. There's various different colors of suffering in the NFL. A, a very demented, but somehow cathartic conversation to have. Uh, next review comes from Light Horse 67 Five stars is getting my Lions fix. I love this podcast and have been listening for over a year now. It, helped me, it helps me get some clarity through the Lions Kool-Aid induced haze. Keep up the good work. We, we, we're fair and balanced that should that be our motto last well, should absolutely not be our motto. <laughs> so has
0: anyone
2: used that before mm, may there might be a there might be a, a trademark on that <laughs> i think we should just stick with the most rated detroit <laughs> lions true. podcast is that it
1: no let's, we
0: got no we got see, we still oh,
2: got two more
1: oh yeah, we'll do two keep, more keep going You want me to take the second one or we, I did not know alternating. Okay.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll do this one since we're alternating this time. So I I was just doing the first one because you need help, but yeah. Parmesan chicken, five stars. Great baby, Ryan. Uh, That's an old joke from us around three years ago. Started listening to multiple three to four lions podcasts. Enjoyed them all in the beginning today. I pretty much only listen to POD always entertaining, engaging, and you can tell just how much enthusiasm slash enjoyment these guys legitimately have for this. One thing I can critique (laughs) is Mr. Christopher needs to get rid of the goatee or grow a mustache (laughs) along with it. God damn it. Ryan, Chris, Eric, uh, Ryan, Jeremy, Eric, Chris are a killer team. Congratulations, Ryan on the human.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. He's getting big. I want him to stop growing. (laughs) (laughs) They don't stop growing. Yeah. All right. Our last
1: review comes from JSJR0413 says must listen for Lions fans, five stars. The POD cast is the go-to for Lions news and a good time. Every episode is fantastic. Keep on drinking the blue Kool-Aid and a fire up chips at the end. Hell yeah. We love our
2: Chippewas. Absolutely.
0: All right, Ryan, this is the uh, time to get into the mail sack.
2: And what better way to follow through on that promise and talk about Madden stuff, right? So let's start yes. with the main. Jeremy's bend. other
0: favorite topic.
2: Yeah. Well, no, Jeremy loves doing Madden simulations. He, he, he I, I need to those. know how badly they're going to lose every game. And you also need to know that like, well, maybe this season is a great example, but like the lions lost in like some crazy fashions and Madden simulations, but like, they kind of matched it this year in real Absolutely. life as well. The the
1: one thing I really hope for Madden is that they actually get a legitimate Dan Campbell on there. Cause they didn't, I guess because of COVID, they never did like a little face
2: scan, they didn't yeah, scan yeah. of him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Give me, give me a, a legitimate looking Dan Campbell so I don't have to keep calling him Darn Crimble. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: from at the main den 53 says, uh, Should we riot outside of Madden headquarters over the Sun God's Madden rating? So, <laughs> Amon Ross
0: St. Brown got a 78 overall, which puts him a, a point behind Kadarius Tony of the Giants at 79. What? 87 speed. 89 accuracy 67 strength 87 agility uh catch rate of 94 awareness rating of 78 Kadarius
1: tony was on the trading block and nobody wanted to trade for him <laughs> well yeah he 60th no lines player ranked i'm on our, was the highest ranked guy at 78 they actually had three guys at 78 yeah shark and willard and, and jamo were were yeah yeah and that's fair for jamo like they they that's how they treat rookies. And that's actually, I think he was the highest rated, uh, yeah, so he, has some wide individuals, he has some individual stats. He's got like a 98, speed. He, and he a 94 have a 98. agility. <laughs> right. But yeah, the Amon Ra is weird. Cause like, yeah, 59 wide receivers had a, a, a rate, a rating over 78. And so the lines don't have a top 59 receiver, according to Madden ratings. I, I don't know what I would bump up with Amon Ra, but like, he he earned like an eighty,
2: right? Is this just slander against slot receivers? You think? Maybe. No, no, because I think the biggest slandering was Jamar Chase wasn't in the top ten. Wait, what? Yeah, Jamar Chase was not in the top ten receivers. Hold on. So it's just disrespect. Like you, trash. you These really have to put your ratings.
1: You really have to just put in the work. Or like this is this is a legacy thing. Oh yeah. Is that, is that how how it always? Be? I think like
0: that is it, kind it, of how men always be, operate. It tends to be. I I am stalling for a little bit of time. Cause now I'm curious where like Hunter Renfro is. Cause yeah. I guess I kind of compare him just because they're both slot receivers and, and like he doesn't filch as many touchdowns, but Hunter Renfro was an 85. <laughs> I mean, but again, I think that's a lot of what have you done for me lately? Cause all Hunter Renfro did was run, run that one route last year and catch touchdowns.
1: But like, if it's, what have you done for me lately? Like I'm on run I know. If, uh, I know the leader of that. No, I mean, I- Renfro's been around for what six years now? I think I think that that matters. Like just yeah. being in the league matters to, to Madden. So he's I mean, been in
2: the league that long. No way. Yes. that's that shocks yes. me. What? I, you could have
1: told me four years, I'd be fine with it. Six? 2016. Oh my wow. god. Wow. He does thought, not I, look that old. I felt like he'd been I, oh, I thought I'm, that... I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. You're gaslighting. Here, us. here no, here's the thing. Here's the fun thing. That I typed in Hunter into Pro Football Reference just to double check. Uh, Hunter, Henry, Hunter Henry. It was Hunter Henry. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah! It was, it was trolled this podcast for years? It was Hunter
0: damn Henry. He's only been three. Hunter Renfro was drafted <laughs> okay. in 2019, so he's been in the league. <laughs> he's been in the league for four seasons now. Right, right. and and so, but yeah, So back well, to we'll the overall point, seasons. like yeah, he's yeah.
1: proven that he can be a solid contributor for three years. has
2: only done for one. That's yes. that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there isn't a seven-point difference between those two things. Agreed. Yeah. But that's not how
1: men's dumb, and that's why we shouldn't be getting angry over men ratings. Which we will probably do next week when we get the full
0: ratings because we still, as of this recording, only have wide receivers and some defense. Quarterbacks come out on Friday.
2: Uh, Matthias Jorgensen at Baron Von Host 88 says you are suddenly blessed with immense talent for playing running back for one game with 30 touches and have been drafted to an NFL team. The only drawback is that you have to choose between playing in either blistering heat or freezing cold. Which do you choose? I feel like this is a good question right now, considering that the world's on fire. Yeah. Um, I think I, (laughs) I, I, we have to end, we end this end podcast. podcast? Right <laughs> we have to end
0: this podcast right now and never come back. You understand? You understand what you've
2: done, Jeremy? <laughs> there are a lot of demons that are getting drug up in this podcast. Yes, yes. Hunter, I mean. Hunter, Henry, Smash Mouth,
1: sophomore the, humor. The only two mistakes I've ever made on this podcast were both Hunter Henry related.
0: That was this probably honestly, our. That was probably our worst mistake
1: ever. <laughs>
2: I swear to God, I felt like I felt like Bill Hader playing Stefan on SNL right there, like talking about New York's hottest club. It has Hunter Henry. (laughs) (laughs) I have
0: to go. I have to go and dig that up from the archives Um, to answer your question, though. I I feel I've got to quote Michael Irvin. When We played in that cold weather. We was cold. I think I'd rather play in the cold because at least I'm running like hell to stay warm. Uh, If it's if it's hot, I'm going to my heart's going to explode. Like it, like it, every waiting, waiting for the touches, just dripping sweat and everything. Jeremy, you should know you were there that one, that one game against San Diego where like literally the Astro, the, the turf was melting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, this is a tough one for me because I think in general, I do better in extreme cold than, than extreme hot. But if, if I mean, like I, it also hurts like hell to get hit in the cold. Like yeah. that, that to me is what I'm thinking about. It's all the collisions in super cold weather. That sounds God awful where you're, I'm, I'm not saying you're just sweating a lot. Like there are serious health concerns. You're probably getting cramps every play, all that sort of stuff with that. But I think for that reason, I'm, I'm probably picking the hot.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing in Jacksonville before I play in green Bay. Like, <laughs> come on, that just explains <laughs> the Jaguars free agency. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, let, I almost went to another silly one. I'll save that one for a second. Uh, let's go to Andrew at Killer Cole on Twitter, our salary cap. Where has all the money gone? Will money free up in the next year or two? Goff still has a big contract this year, but I feel like almost all of Quinn's overpriced deals are gone, and that Holmes has been very responsible, and we have a lot of rookie contracts. So well, we talked. This question about this. in a nutshell is just salary cap. Yeah, I think I
0: think we talked about this prior that there's a lot of money tied up now in the offense. A lot of that's because of Jared's golf contract and what is owed to the offensive line. One of those is going to stick around. One is not
2: the highest paid offense in the NFL.
1: Yes. Second now. So for some reason, I don't know what the commanders recently did, but they jumped him. Oh, Um, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, My scary Terry. But yeah, well, so I don't think the Jared Goff contract is going away next year. It could. But that would, you know, that that would free up a lot of space. I, I know I know. Ryan really doesn't think it is. The offensive line is only going to get more expensive as time goes on because you look at Frank Ragnar's contract. He's only costing $7.5 against the cap right now.
2: That jumps to $16 million next year. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big jump, but I think what's interesting about that, do you think Jonah Jackson gets re-signed? He might Surely be a cap say. casualty. Well, that's... no, he, he's not going to be a cap, cap, cap I... casualty yet.
0: No, but I'm saying not, I'm not, saying down the line, down the line. Right. It could it could happen
2: it, if he if he signed a second contract, though, like on his rookie contract, like he it, it's awesome. Like you're getting way above expected right. performance for a rookie at guard. But like that's just one of those positions that you don't usually see teams shell out for. It's because. OK, so the lines are already spending
1: 50 million on this offensive line in terms of cap space this year. Fifty four million is the most. They're fourth. And so you, you take the well, jump, right? It's getting a lot of money. Yeah. He's, he's, he's
0: one of those Quinn things that they were talking about. Yeah.
1: Here's the thing. Like the lines are pretty much clear of, of all those bad contracts, but they're still spending a lot of money in these places. And I don't think they're going to really get that much cleared up cap space unless they cut Vitai. And then the, the other one in which I think they probably do is Michael Brockers because they save, I think 10 million if they cut Michael Brockers next year. But there are a lot of contracts, like I said, that are jumping. There's, there, there's Frank Ragnow. now. Uh, who else? Charles Harris is jumping from three million to eight million. Tra- like, does tra- Tracy Walker's got to jump too? Right? I think that's yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Three three million to eleven. So yeah. th- th- all these extensions are going to kind of come to roost a little bit, and and really kind of mitigate some of the the savings that you're probably going to get from if if you even release Vitai and, and Brockers, um. So I I think the hope is you're you're really getting all that cap space just from the cap, cap uh, overall cap, cap rising increasing yeah. right
0: yeah.
1: Um. And it, I mean yes, there are a lot of players on rookie contracts. But the problem is like a lot of the the ones that stuck around from previous regimes are getting close. Like like you said, Jonah Jackson are getting close to to potentially being due an extension. And obviously, the first year or two of an extension you you can make real cheap, but I, I I'm not saying their, their salary cap situation is bad. It's not bad, but if you, if you're expecting like suddenly everything to be clear, because this line has a bunch of young players, that's not exactly how it's going to turn out. And the most important question of all is TJ Hawkinson. Sure. Right. And right now he's due for a big jump because that fifth year option is expensive. Six and a half million this year, nine, almost nine and a half next year. Yeah. So, but if, if you extend them and, and lower that for first year cap hit, make it like a two million cap hit, well, then suddenly you're actually saving money there.
2: Uh, Joe Sanchez at junior 313 on Twitter asks, uh, well, he says, fun question for today. And the question is, if the NFL were to add two expansion teams, where would you want to see the most domestic or international?
0: Well, it's not an expansion, I'd rather see the Chargers move back to San Diego.
2: Just so okay. that we can go back to saying San Diego Chargers. That's like not the Rams.
0: I, no, the Rams are fine in LA. The okay. Rams are fine in LA. The Chargers, just because they're good. No, but the Rams also have the history in LA. Too. They do. Like that's fair. St. Louis was never. I'm sorry. St. Louis was never really much of a football town. Like they tried. Yeah. They tried twice. And yeah. like, trust me, my dad stopped being an NFL fan when the Cardinals left St. Louis. So like, do
2: yeah, I was just going to ask. Don't you don't you think it's kind of tough for the league to expand right now, especially <clears throat> especially when I mean we we talk all the time about there aren't there aren't even thirty two quarterbacks worth starting in the NFL.
0: Yeah, but also too like most of the markets are locked down. Where would be your new market? The only one I could think of that doesn't really have a market is uh, San Antonio. I wouldn't even say Portland because I feel like that's kind of. I don't think Portland would really be much for a football team. I, I think, mean, is, is London out of the question? I, well, I was, I was keeping it domestic for now. I have some international answers, but for like, cause the problem is international has all the logistics to it too.
2: Right. Unless it's Mexico city, right? Yeah. Or, or Canada. Like Toronto. Or Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Toronto about, and yeah let's put, let's
1: put, a, a football team in Canada so that we box out the CFL and put it out. I was going to say existence. the
0: only problem is that like this Canadian <laughs> p- politicians might just get mad at you at that point. And then like, cause I think way back in the day, the NFL wanted to get their footprint in Canada and like someone up there threatened to basically make it. So like you could only play Canadian rules football in Canada.
2: <laughs> hey, but you know, it'd be cool though, is that. <laughs> The last fu that the Packers give to Aaron Rodgers is they trade him to the expansion team in Toronto where he can't play. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Get uh, get Kansas that's, City
0: royaled.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't need any more answers. That's the best answer. Yeah.
0: No, I think uh, Toronto was up there. San Antonio is probably again. What about like Bama? Like give Bama a team. But there's no no. But like that that's such a place that's so ingrained with college football they. And most of them, I think they point? would accept an NFL team? No, they would not. They would not. Okay. Alabama's their NFL team.
2: Don't they would you go kinda, either Saints, Falcons, or Cowboys if they have a team. I was gonna say, don't don't you feel that I kind of feel it's the same way with Jacksonville. Kinda, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're Jacksonville, it, is like weird that's enough. gator that's gator country. Like it's yeah. like not it
0: know is. If the
2: Jaguars will ever capture because the Jaguars have had more playoff success than the Lions. <laughs>
0: They have a bit of a cult down there, but yeah, like it's, it's hard. It's just hard. Also it's Jacksonville. <laughs> like
2: I like bottles. Um, like where, where you just, in
0: the U S really major... better than
1: the lines in the playoff comment. I'm sorry. I'm just, i can't I'm focus. To,
0: I'm just trying to think where in the U S is a major, major town that has just not been graced
2: with an NFL team besides yeah. Milwaukee,
0: which that's green Bay's.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you could think of a, place then make david Garrard the owner because he <laughs> deserves it jackson jaguars elected. again my
0: be- my best answer is san
2: antonio albuquerque <laughs> blake bortles have more playoff victories than matthew safford in detroit next question right. yeah sure um all right uncle Underscore T underscore Rav on Twitter. I remember when the Cleveland Cavaliers won the title and they had a million people there for the parade. Do you think Detroit will have a record number of people there when they win the Super Bowl? Also, do you dream about this like I do? So if I went the Cavaliers. To that- yeah, if the Cavaliers had a million, Detroit would have two. I went to that Cavaliers parade. It was a lot more than a million.
0: It was a lot more than a million. At at I was in that Cavaliers parade. I just went there because for the hell of it, it was it was a two hour ride. <laughs> but how can
1: you like even fathom that amount of people if you're in there like i don't know what a million people look like holy god man i can't imagine a hundred thousand and a million look that different to
3: me
0: i don't remember the actual like like number they cited but it was multiple millions like i rode in on a bus with some girl from tennessee like it was a it was a call across like the entire region for people who had never seen this in their lives to come up there and like I I ended up like none of the public transit worked. I parked all the way, way out, that I ended up having to walk halfway back. i walked for like two hours before I could catch a bus to get out of there. Like it was psychosis. Um, My point though is like from Detroit to Lansing, everything would probably be, uh, it would be like that. It would absolutely be like that. Cleveland kind of matches that mold. Downtown would be completely overthrown. The only difference I think is that there'd probably be a few more riots because, uh, we, we, as, as Sparty has shown us when it's time to party, it's time to burn some couches
2: I, at least com- in the state. I, I, I'm not comfortable in placing a starting point And I, I mean, the ending point would obviously be like down at like heart Plaza or whatever, but like, uh, you could you could start that you could start that parade like in Lansing, you know what I mean? <laughs> like would Lansing that long.
0: to Lansing to Toledo. <laughs> yeah, you
2: you could you could line up that many people along the lines because like the Cavaliers saying like I feel like if that would have been a lebron LeBronless title, I don't know if as many people would have showed up. No, a lot of people you know were why? there for Bron. Yeah, yeah, and my conspiracy theory hat says that LeBron had a lot of those people bust in. I'm just. <laughs> wow yeah i
1: mean we all know that football is king in detroit whether you want to name it the hockey town or whatever so i don't think it had anything to do about basketball just cleveland had a title period right what's part of the
0: Cavs thing too
1: and and listen like the Lions haven't gone 50 years or detroit hasn't gone 50 years without a title but they're in a pretty damn big drought right now and are hungry for a champion so if the Lions were to get a super bowl before any of the other teams sniff a championship
2: there, there's two, what, four, four, there 14 there's, years, right? There's
0: two points I'd like to add to this though that might that might throw a damper on it. Number one, if I remember the Chicago Cubs did not have that massive, they had a pretty big parade, but it wasn't like Cavaliers big. And the Cubs is kind of the analog here. But for like Chicago you know,
1: is like it's, it's a city full of transplants. I
0: I understand, but also the Cubs are kind of an icon that's kind of a national sure. thing. Number two, it would also be the middle of February.
2: That, that's not gonna stop people okay just making sure yeah all
3: right, no, <laughs> just
0: just, no just throw that
2: out there just see what would yeah. say no that's fair but i mean when you have as many people that were rushing the field against ohio state for a michigan victory like come on i mean you have that many people that you can pack into a cold weather stadium like that, all those people are that felt
1: on. like a dig but i'm gonna allow it
2: yeah no that's fine all um <laughs> right. that's time for like so, one or two more Okay, uh, question for the panel. Beginning next sports season, not including this MLB season, which Detroit team is the first to make the playoffs? This is a good question. I
0: feel like it's got to be the Pistons just because literally anyone can get into the NBA playoffs now.
2: Yeah, with the play-in games now? Yeah. Yeah. I the play I mean, game I still count
0: think- as
1: playoffs?
2: No. Yeah. You, you got to win not, the playoff game. Okay. Or, you know, not on the play-in yeah, game. Yeah, not on the sports book. It, it doesn't count. But like, I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, that you can't, you can't bet the Pistons to make the playoffs and they just make the playing game. You lose that bet. If they don't get into the playoffs. I feel like the Pistons
0: are still a ways away, given that it's core is insanely young, but again, expanded same contingent, yeah. weak conference. I feel, and, and like about to get weaker as soon as Brooklyn detonates. I feel like Detroit can easily
2: get either get through the play in game or make it to like the eighth seed. I I just have one thing, one observation that I think is wild that just came across my mind. If you asked this question at the beginning of last year, or let's say at the beginning of this MLB season, right? Like this Tigers team that's coming in. Oh, I never bought these Tigers. A lot of people bought into this I Tigers know they team did. being a playoff yeah, team. Like yeah. and, 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 and I think what's very interesting is that it was based on how the Tigers finished their season and the key offseason additions they made, which sounds startlingly <laughs> similar to a Detroit Lions football team that went three and three down the stretch and is having Peter King write articles about them.
1: Let me ask both of you a question. Okay,
2: but now the Tigers feel the furthest away. That was my that was my overarching point. Like at the I, beginning, of the I, I didn't want to let season. you finish it. <laughs> uh, will the Detroit Pistons
1: make the playoffs this year? No, no. Then the answer is the Detroit Lions, because the Detroit yeah. Lions are making it in twenty twenty three, and their season finishes before the Pistons' next season.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, can we I need a bath. My- can we get maybe one of these from the uh, pre show, Ryan? Dealer's Choice?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Just super let's quick go to ahead. end this. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, I like Dan's I, a lot, I hate, but I don't mind you know, Lantana's either. Yeah, I hate to. We're, we're going to answer both of them, but only one's going to be on the podcast because I hate to feel <laughs> like I feel like I'm choosing. Um, we'll go with Dan's on the, on, on the podcast. Chris, which starting quarterbacks this year will be backups next year? So I, answer, I try to answer this a little bit on the, on the pre-show. The problem is, is that I,
0: it really depends on what happens with Baker Mayfield. I think he's the only one that if it doesn't work out in Carolina, someone else will probably sign him as a backup. I think Tua is not yet into that territory where if he bombs out too much with, uh, with the Dolphins, someone else is going to take a shot, another shot at him as a project. Someone else is going to take another shot at him as a project. Uh, sitting in between those two and I don't know how to feel about him is uh, Daniel Jones. I don't know what happens with Daniel Jones, but the only one I really feel confident about saying will be a backup next year is probably Baker Mayfield.
2: I I will say real quick about uh, Daniel Jones. I think that people would be willing to take a a risk on him just because of his athletic profile. Like I think that he could be like a nice backup at a spot where they like to have a more athletic guy. I also think
0: I also, I, yeah i also think um marcus Mariota is probably going to be going back to a backup once they've acclimated desmond ritter
1: in atlanta too trubisky if he i mean trubisky might not be a starter at week one with kenny pickett better not be a starter Mariota, as you mentioned uh jamis probably maybe i don't know what to do about
0: jamis it's so weird with jamis
1: carson wentz (laughs)
2: Do, all right, but I think that might be an interesting one where it's like, if he flames yeah. out, do you think anybody would even want him as a backup? Because like you <laughs> like you say, Jeremy, like <laughs> that guy has camp. proven that he is not a guy that you want in your locker room. So what benefit do you have of him being a backup? And it seems like Carson Wentz just would have the arrogance about him to be like, I'm not a backup quarterback. I feel,
0: yeah, I, I this is curious because I was thinking, well, isn't that the same of Baker? But everything I've seen of Baker in Carolina feels like he's trying like hell to like, get rid of that old opinion and rehabilitate his image. I don't think it was ever true of Baker, but to your point, I don't think Wentz has ever done anything
2: to try to rehabilitate his image. That's fair. I agree with you about Tua. I think it's too early with him. Um, like, I
0: don't think he's going to succeed, but I don't think, I think someone's going to see him flame out and think, yes,
2: we can fix him still. Cause Sam Darnold got another shot. I have one spicy take. Could the Jets pull the plug on Zach Wilson if it doesn't work this year? Are they that afraid of someone who chases cougars?
0: I think that's where we have to kill the podcast. Jeremy's Jeremy is doing the cut sign. Uh, thank you, everyone. We'll see you star side. <laughs>